This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. How's everybody doing today? Got some glorious sunshine. Lots to talk about as well as we often do here. I'll have Cam Bynum, fourth round draft pick of the Vikings earlier this year. Really enjoyed having a conversation with him the other day. He's a converted safety, played cornerback at Cal. Saw in his room, did the Zoom with him recently. In his room, he has a whiteboard for diagramming plays. Um, This is a guy who's a student of the game, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation I had with him. Also talked to Bob Timmons from our outdoors staff about trying to go down the Mississippi River in a canoe as fast as possible. It's been done a lot of different times, but there are two competing forces on the water. One just finished up. Another one is still out there. Kind of a fun tale of... uh, I don't know if it's a rivalry so much as it is just two groups trying to do it as fast as they can and get into the record book. But first, what did I miss? Not much uh, in terms of live action on uh, on Monday, which maybe was a little bit uh, was good. We could use a break from the games sometime. So instead, I asked you guys, um, because Monday's show was pretty negative, talked a lot about the losing that had been going on with the Twins and Minnesota United. Asked you guys what are some things you are looking forward to or that you are enjoying right now in Minnesota sports. And here are the top five that I saw you come up with on Twitter. Number one, um, not, in, not in particular order either, by the way. Number one, link season. Two different people asked, said link season coming up. is uh, Mark said link season starts Friday. He's looking forward to that. Allie says Nafisa Collier's upcoming season is going to be one to remember. I know it. Sure could be. She was number five, I saw, in ESPN's power rankings of players going into the year. Sylvia Fowles also on the list. This could be a really good Lynx team, you guys. Open on Friday at home. Um, should be fun to see where they take this season. So uh, definitely something to look forward to as Mark and Allie are. Peter says, Vikings schedule release. I didn't even realize it. The NFL schedule comes out tomorrow, Wednesday, a full schedule. Now, we've kind of known the opponents and uh, you know, home and away for quite some time now just because of the formula the NFL uses. But yeah, it'll be kind of fun to see. It's always fun to see the order that they put these teams in and just, you know, when do they play? It kind of it helps you go through the season and figure out, okay, how do I think this season's going to go? If you see like a whole bunch of tough games in a row, you're like, ah, I don't feel as good about it. If you see the schedule breaking in a certain way that looks more favorable, you start to get more optimistic. So I get it. I, I'm, I'm on board with that. Looking forward to that as well. Joran says, looking forward to Grandma's Marathon is on with less COVID restrictions, most likely. Hey, that's a good thing, right? Um, race is typically in June, so a month from now. I've run it a couple times. I'm not really in my mess, my best marathon shape right now. I've still been running quite a bit, but uh, you know, more of the four to five mile range, not the 26 mile range. But anybody who's out there training for that, that would be great news. Hope you get a fun, um, normal-ish experience this year with Grandma's Marathon. DB simply tweeted a gif of Anthony Edwards. Yeah, he's someone to look forward to for sure. Having a really nice second half in particular of his rookie season with the Timberwolves. Wolves play tonight, by the way, in Detroit, a game with uh, big lottery implications. You saw what happened when the Wolves in Orlando played the other night. The Wolves routed uh, Orlando. We'll see if the same thing happens with the Pistons, who have been giving a little bit better effort, but the Wolves of all the teams that are headed for the lottery have been the team that is most intent on winning. We'll see if that continues on Tuesday night. And the last thing that most of you, I'd say like half of you who responded to this, or maybe close to that, uh, mentioned the Wild and the impending playoff run. Playoff should start in just a matter of days here. 
Don't know yet who the Wild's going to play. Looks more and more likely like it's going to be the Wild in the three seed because Colorado won against Vegas 2-1 to one in regulation Monday night. That means that Colorado actually controls its own destiny now. If Colorado wins its final two games, no matter what Vegas does, because Vegas only has one game left and Colorado is two points behind and has the tiebreaker advantage, uh, that means Colorado would win the division and the, and the Wild would play Vegas. So still have to see who the Wild ends up playing. Almost assured, though, that the Wild are going to be in that number three spot. What would have to happen for that to be not the case is the Wild would have to win its final two games and Colorado would have to, Colorado would have to lose its final two games in regulation. So not looking likely. Looks like the Wild's going to be the three seed, but uh, could be either Colorado or Vegas. And we've seen definitely the Vegas matchup being more favorable this year. But regardless, lots to look forward to with that, especially as Chicken Finger 69 says, the only correct answer is the Wild and Kirill, my tiny, adorable baby snow leopard. Anyone who answers anything different is lying to you and more importantly, to themselves. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined right now on Daily Delivery by Can Bynum, a fourth round pick by the Vikings out of Cal. Um, Cam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Not as excited as you were when you got drafted, I think. I think a lot of us have seen the video by now where you come running out of, I don't know if it was a house, a cabin, where you were. You come running out, you grab a Vikings. I don't know if it's a flag, a cape, what it is. You grab it. You go kind of parading through a whole bunch of people, and then you do a flip into a lake. Uh, where did you get that idea, and uh, and how much fun was that? Um, I kind of just thought of that idea on the fly right after – I got drafted, so it's something I knew I wanted to do is to do a flip in the lake. So, so once we were like, okay, how are we, how are you gonna do this though? I was like, I need it on tape. So I was like, okay. So we bought all the flags for every single team and hung them for decorations because you know people do the hat thing. I was like, okay, I want to do a little bigger. I, that's my thing. I, when I do stuff, I like to do it big. So we rented a cabin out off the lake and like probably like an hour and a half away from my house down here in SoCal, and we hung up all the flags decoration along the balcony. And then uh, as soon as I got picked, got done with my interviews, ran out there, just had my speaker playing. They didn't know I had the speaker. Went up there, got it on tape, threw the speaker to somebody, went ripped the flag off the thing as the decoration and just had everybody go down there and make a tunnel for me while I go do backflips. So it was crazy excitement. And that's exactly how I felt. And I knew, I knew I wanted to do it big somehow with my celebration. And that's what came to my head right then and there. The celebration is one thing, but I mean, when you hear your name called, I mean, you, you had real tears, right? You were like, this is the culmination of a dream for anybody who gets drafted, but maybe just walk me through the moment you find out, okay, I expect to be drafted, but now it's real. What, what was that moment like? It was crazy, especially going day three, you're sitting by your phone the first two days, just waiting for that phone call. I, I told my agent, don't tell me where I'm going. I didn't look at any mock drafts because I don't want any expectations or didn't want anybody expect something and it not get it and kill the joy. So I just wanted to be happy wherever I went. So um, it was it, obviously day threes in the morning. So we're all eating breakfast, have a lot of family, friends, teammates that came up to the cabin with us. So we're all eating breakfast. My phone starts ringing. And as soon as I saw the Minnesota number on, I started getting emotional. I could barely even finish the call. And even when I was on the, 
on the phone. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't hear a word you just said, but I do, I do everything you need done. You, you want to play safety, I'm playing safety. Let's get it, let's get it. So it was just a crazy amount of emotion just knowing that I put in years of work for this. And it's something I had to work for. I was always the best kid growing up. I was at a point I was fistering on JV my sophomore year. And that's when kid, that's when a lot of my friends and people at my level that are getting drafted, they were balling out, having offers sophomore year. So me, I, I had to work for work to catch up and get ahead. So I was just super thankful just for everything and everybody that put work into me at the, that time. Well, that kind of leads me to my next question was kind of like, just tell me a little bit more about your story. I mean, that sounds like it's, you know, you had to work to get to where you are. Fifth string JV sophomore year doesn't sound like, like you said, the path to the NFL, how did you, how did you persevere? What, what gave you that kind of, and what if it's an edge, whether it's a mentality to, to think, okay, I, I can, I can be more than that. First of all, my faith, just my faith in God, just knowing that I'll be good regardless. And then once I put that faith to work and knowing that, okay, I'm not going to get somewhere without putting the work in. And I've always had a crazy work ethic, but at that point when I knew Okay, I've been good in youth football, get to high school, talent caught up to me, and now everybody's good and people were better than me at the point. I knew I loved football, so okay, so how am I going to get out this hole? So I found a coach that put in, a coach that just taught me technique, not the coach that has you just doing all the busy work, doing all the stuff, cool stuff for Instagram. Coach that really taught me how to play DB, how to be a technician at it. And we went 5 a.m. before school every single day so I could squeeze in an extra hour of workouts. We'd go do the regular workouts at school and then right back at the facility right after school and after practice. So I was putting in four, three, four workouts a day just to get even with people and did that through my entire high school career from after sophomore season and then through to when I left to college and just kept that and was able to just separate. And that's one thing that's always got me to where I've been is just the amount of work I put in, something I, I keep doing. So that's, I kind of just described me as a person, just the crazy amount of work the technician aspect of my game and just the detail and willingness I am to just put it in. Well, that'll serve you well. I mean, you played 40 some games at Cal. That was a corner though. Now that you're moving to, sounds like they want you to move to safety. That was something, you know, probably a lot of teams had probably talked to you about even pre-draft, you know, the NFL gets this idea that if you don't run like slightly faster, you got to be a safety now instead of a corner. How, how will you put that kind of, mentality to work you know being a fourth round pick which gives you some equity but doesn't make you an automatic you know not not going to be like a first rounder where you got this automatic kind of assumptions of playing time come in how do you mm -hmm. earn that again with the vikings now and being at a different position presumably um, i think just basically putting it using the same blueprint of how i got out of my whole uh sophomore year putting that same amount of work in but now just a different amount of detailed work so through college um, I always made an effort. I'm playing corner, but I need to know every position on the defense. So I made an effort to learn the, our linebacker responsibilities, the D-line does and the run fits and how that affects me as a corner and as a safety, too, if I was ever to play safety. So it's something I know already. So it's just a matter of reps, and I'm excited to finally get those reps at it. Started doing the reps at the Senior Bowl, but now once I'm able to practice and now I don't have school, I don't have anything else to worry about with foot, that football. So I expect myself by – week one to be able to have a pretty good understanding of the entire playbook, whatever they exposed to me at the time. And just, cause I know I'm going to put the work in and be able to come out there. And I expect to be the best once I get out there. And that's, that's the expectation I have of myself, be the best at whatever I do. So that's, that's the same approach I'm taking to me learning safety. 
a whole new craft I get to learn. It's something I've learned before. And now I just want to be as great as possible at it. Had you had much conversation with the Vikings before you got drafted, like pre-draft process? Yeah, I would say they're, they're, I made a list of three teams that, okay, let me, I suspect these teams because I've met with them the most. I had like three or four interviews with them and they're, they're on the list with the, along with a couple other teams that, that kind of were on the high list of, okay, they might actually want me and they might not just be blowing my head up saying, oh, this is a great interview. We love you, Cam. But they actually put in the effort, called me multiple times and uh, met with the special teams coach too. That's what stood out to me and did an install interview for the special team. So that was something only one other team in the league did that. So uh, that, that set them apart and let me suspect them a little. Now, speaking of install, speaking of, you know, learning the playbook, people at home listening can't see this, but uh, we're doing this on Zoom. I can see in your background, you've got a whiteboard in your room with little magnets on it. Like you're, you're drawing up plays, you're, you're diagramming defense in your spare time. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I'm pretty much, I'm a, I'm a nerd straight up uh, with everything I do. I don't play video games. So like fun stuff I do is I go to the field, go do footwork. Fun stuff I do is have my teammates over and we use this whiteboard and draw formations and basically interview each other. That's something I've been doing my whole whole time in college with our secondary. And we had a fat whiteboard in my living room in my apartment back in college. And I brought it right back home with me. And like when I get bored or even like every day I come up, draw a new formation and explain it and teach it to myself. Or I have my little brother in here teaching it to him or I'll film a video just let, let me be able to actually have to teach it so I know I, I know it well enough. So that's something I do. I'm a learner. I love learning. I don't I hate wasting my time. So this is something I can pass my time being productive. Well, where's that come from? You mentioned your faith before, but maybe parents, uh, other siblings. Who, where do you kind of get this work ethic that, you know, a lot of people have a good work ethic, but this seems at another level. Um, I would say my parents and Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe's like probably my main, he's my biggest inspiration athlete of all time. And I've been studying him super closely since sixth grade. So that's kind of tried to mim- mimic every single thing I've done, he done in his career and try and do that as far as the extra work, as far as his approach to the game. And then just seeing my parents work as work as hard as they do, my, both of them having jobs and mom, stay at home mom for a while, but she would volunteer in every single one of our classrooms, There's five kids. And she'd be just busy, my dad, with a full-time job. And they both come home, not tired, still have time to take us to go work out or take us to do whatever we want to do on our fun spare time and act like they're not tired after working a full day. And I just noticed that after a while. I was like, wow, you guys are super hard workers. So that, Kobe, it just, everything, all my the examples in my life that I looked up to were crazy workers. So that's something I always wanted to mimic myself after. I was going to ask you about Kobe because I saw, you know, you have his his pictures, your Twitter background, you've got Mamba mentality in your Twitter profile. Um, but obviously, like, you know, I'm up here in Minnesota. You're you're from Southern California. I mean, is that yep. so? Yep, I mean, California my whole life. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, you know, obviously the tragedy a little over a year ago, we felt that everywhere worldwide. How much more did you particularly feel it where where you were and just, you know, with with how much you look up to Kobe Bryant? Um, it felt crazy, honestly. Um, that's like, especially coming from Southern California and being a crazy Laker fan, that's like our hero. So just the whole energy around here just felt deflated for a while. 
And even I was in the Bay Area up north um, when it happened because I was at school. But just still, like, seeing your family, like, it affected everybody. And it's crazy. And But it brought good out of everybody, as crazy as it sounds. It made people start working a little different, I noticed. And you see how much, like, how it affects people and how, how big of an impact he had, and especially on me. That's something I wanted to meet him and get be mentored by him just because I've been trying to copy him my whole life. But I'm just glad how much he left behind for us to be able to, like, see and just the example that he set. So I'm just super glad for that. Yeah, it's a great attitude to have. Last thing for you, really enjoying this conversation with you, Cam. Um, what's next? What, uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's stuff coming up pretty quick here. I'm sure life as an NFL rookie comes at you pretty fast, but what's the kind of what are next steps and in, in goals as you, you know, go from drafted to now, you know, getting on the field at some point here? Yep. So draft week or draft day was last week, um, May 12th, coming up in a couple of days now. Um, May 12th, we get shipped out there and that's when we start our, we, I know it's like orientation first couple of days and then come co- probably a couple of days after that, we start our rookie mini camp practice and all the learning, all the fun stuff. So I'm just super excited for that. Um, I know it's going to be busy, but that's the type of busy I like learning and playing football and be able to train without any other distractions, especially being in a new state. Now I don't have anybody to bother me. I don't have any, any out, out distractions, no friends or anything. So I can go straight to football learn and just soak it up from the coaches, from other vets, and just be able to compete and try and be the best player I can be. we got a lot of lakes for you to jump into up here. Let's land at oh, 10,000 yeah. lakes. Go, go yeah, get them, right? Friends with, find a random friend with a boat and like, let me hop on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, good luck when you get up here. Best of luck uh, in the 2021 season and beyond. Really enjoyed chatting with you here on Daily Delivery today, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed getting to know Cam Bynum a little bit better. And you heard him mention special teams. I think that could be a spot that he contributes right away. That's a lot of times where young players make their mark. But anytime someone's willing to work that hard, put in the time, you're going to find, and you get the talent, you're going to find a roster spot in the NFL. And uh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to end up doing some good things here for the Vikings. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery right now by Bob Timmons. Does a great job writing about the outdoors. Bob, this is an interesting story. Um, two groups trying to canoe down the Mississippi River as fast as possible. One of them already finished, it sounds like, on Monday. Another group still out on the water. Give me the background on all this and just, you know, the, the desire to want to do this, the, how far it is, how fast you have to go, things like that, and just, you know, what these, how these two groups are connected in some way, too. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Good to be on. Um, yeah, this is a... Uh... Well, any sort of thing wrapped around, you know, a sort of Guinness record, you know, is going to get people interested, the classic human interest story. And last week I wrote about a group led by a Minneapolis guy named Scott Miller, who has a long history of um, long distance paddling. The Strib had written about Scott back in 2005 when he went to Hudson Bay with some friends. You know, I sound like it's a little outing, you know, paddling to Hudson Bay from the cities working their way there. But anyway, um, I connected with Miller um, and he's got a group of four, you know, group of three others. They're in a 23 foot Winona canoe uh, left Tuesday morning from the Itasca headwaters, 2,300 miles from Northern Minnesota to the Gulf river Delta of the Gulf of Mexico. If, you know, if you're able to, to, to make it there, 
um, and they're attempting a speed record. So right now, those guys, Scott Miller and his group, are like in Northeast Iowa, you know, and they're going 24-7, you know, in sort of six-hour increments, um, you know, taking breaks at boat ramps here and there, eating on the water. They have a big support group. They have 10 people following them on shore. And, and they, once they get, once they got south of St. Paul over this last weekend, now they have support boats in the water with them, you know, helping call out, do marine radio connections to barge traffic and boat, commercial boat traffic. Yeah. It's this big flotilla. You know, uh, it's kind of like a marathon. It's kind of like marathon running or distance, ultra distance running though. You got a support team or, you know, like yes. these relay races you see. So it makes sense to me. Yes. And, and, and what's been interesting with the story, too, is clearly how this has evolved. I mean, the people who are attempting this, even this guy, K.J. Mahone, who finished this morning with his group, when he did it in 1980, they might have had some friends in a van following them for, you know, they, they likely didn't have water support and all these sorts of things. But anyway, so did the story on Scott Miller and certainly in the background and context of other Minnesotans, you know, canoe mad Minnesotans who attempted something like this, KJ's name came up. Well, Miller never mentioned that KJ <laughs> was out already on the water with a team. I have, you know, was unaware. This isn't some sort of thing I sort of keep my eye on. You're not finely attuned to all the people <laughs> trying to go really fast on canoes down, uh, down the Mississippi River. But this is like, this is like 40 years later that he's doing this, right? Yeah, well, KJ, as it turns out, uh, KJ Milhone um, had attempted, uh, there's been several failed attempts since 2003. The mark they're all trying to break, and it appears that KJ and his team have, have broken, is, was set in 2003, 18 days, four hours, 51 minutes to paddle the length of the Mississippi. KJ and his group finished this morning in 17 days, 20 hours, so eight hours, Broke the record by eight hours. Finished Monday if, morning. If that's that's up. like more than a hundred miles a day. Yeah, they are. They're moving at you know five miles an hour, give or take, and they're not stopping. You know, and and there's a whole dance going on in the canoe of uh, three people paddling while one sleeps, if they're even sleeping. Certainly, you can control so many things. You've got your support team, and you know, you know, a lot of these long distance paddlers do training, like the Scott Miller and company did two day training trips with their team. So they got used to, you know, as best as you can get acclimated to the mad sort of crazy intensity of that. Like you're saying, Mike, like a marathon, just being out there, you know, going, 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 going. But to do that then for like 17 days straight has to be an entirely another thing right i mean it's... it does well and i didn't even realize this was a thing so I'm, I'm fascinated by just the idea of not not only you know just the concept that there's people that are trying this but there's that there were at a point there was two boats out on the water like it's almost like they were they weren't like chasing them technically but it's almost like they were yeah. you know two boats trying this at the same time is this a good time of year to do it is this what what why why right now do you think that there was these two you know, pretty significant attempts, including, you know, that we're writing about? Yeah, good question. And um, just to come back to a point, I started to talk about, you know, this community of paddlers, every, you know, the same way some of these niche sports, everyone knows everyone by and by. And Miller and Mahone were going to do a paddle together, they were going to attempt the speed record in 
2020, but it was spiked by COVID. So clearly, both of you know, clearly these both both of these guys have been planning this, and at one point they were going to do it together and and separated, and now they're both on the you know both on the river at this time of year. A big thing about it is weather and water levels, and so depending on snowpack and things, and coming into spring, um, it can be a good time to go for it. Um, if you know what appears to have have happened with Mahone is they had really good weather on big on some of the big water because once you get into south of St. Louis, it's not like you know what we're used to as Minnesotans seeing the Mississippi up here. You're talking about you know the river being uh, dozens of miles wide. It's almost like wilderness in some of the spots from from what people have told me and what I've read and things just about the the true nature of the river and how it changes so much. But um, sounds like Milhone, they had high water levels. So they had a nice push there. They clearly were relentless. You know, they held up all the grueling, crazy, sleepless nights, I'm sure. And I, you know, I've talked to the uh, current record, you know, the previous record holder, a guy named Clark Ide, who now lives in Alabama. And um, he and I have been in touch this morning, in fact, and uh, he talked a lot about just the uh, intensity of um, the sitting, you know, the um, the paddling, what it does to your hand, you know, your hands. You, it just there's so many things going on there. But it sounds like Mahone and their group had good weather, a good flow, water flow levels, high water when they needed high water, and all that kind of thing. So this is the time of year if you're going to go for it, you know, this is what this is when to do it. Let's. I feel like they missed an opportunity here because as as compelling as this story is, how great would it have been if they would have left at exactly the same time? And this was <laughs> yes, a true, right? And this was a true race. Like I, I right. want to see, like I want to see that that if there are ten boats that want to do this, I want to see all ten of them leave at the same time, or like, or you know, even spread out by like half an hour so that they're not like you know bumping into each other right okay so but i want <laughs> right. i want to i want to see a true race that would really like as interested as i am right now that would really i think that'd be fascinating yeah yeah that's a great point and you know what for all i know i haven't like dug deep into this history but i'm sure that has happened there's all sorts of you know some of these both the milhone team and the miller team have members they're not all minnesotans so you know Milhone went out and got these two hot shots from Florida. One guy's in his 60s, the other's in his 40s, who have like, you know, probably shelves stacked with hardware of all these races they've won. And, and so, yeah, to put them to put them all together, you've got like the elite, you know, sort of the, uh, the canoe dream long team. distance paddling. It's the canoe dream team. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, Wow, this is just so. When the second, so the first group finished Monday morning. When does the second group? like project to finish. I know you said they're, they're near Iowa yeah. right now. If they started what last week, they probably got about 10, 11 days left in their best case scenario. Yeah. So they started May 4th, you know, uh, crack of dawn kind of thing. And so that would put them, you know, if they're going to get the record, it's going to be sometime around May 21st or 22nd. If I've got my math, right. Yeah. That looks about right. Um, so they've got a long way to go. I mean, they, they were in Winona yesterday and I've been, you know, I have hyperlinks in the stories, you know, you can track them, <laughs> you know, gar they both have garments, you know, you can track their every move. Uh, like you're saying, Mike, when they came out of Atasca, you've got, you know, parts of the Mississippi up there, you're fed, it's, you're on lakes, you know, um, and then you're back on the river the same way, you know, um, 
and you've got areas where, oh my gosh, we're scraping bottom here. You know what I mean? And now, so it's a real, you know, Minnesota is a very different part of it. You actually, um, the Mississippi is very different in Minnesota than it is in, you know, in other states and as you get down river. So they're having very different experience as they go. Well, read this, uh, read Bob's coverage, Star Tribune, startribune.com. I'm sure it'll be ongoing. Like you said, there's there's links to, to find out where these guys are exactly on the river. Um, and just the the added layer of there being two teams out there. I'm, I'm, I'm very much interested in this story now and hope you guys are too. Uh, Bob, any final words uh, of wisdom on this? Uh, you know, the former record holder in 2003, a guy named Clark Eyed, again, who I referenced, uh, <laughs> has talked about the... Um, how the Guinness, you know, sure, you know, Guinness has its standards and so forth. But he said, look at, look at, we went out in 2003 and had a few support people. And, and now you've got teams of boats and people on the ground, you know, ground with campers and, and uh, you know, it's just, yeah, sure. It's a record, but there, it's sort of a record without rules. And so that's, it makes it even more fun in some regard, you know, to see, cause you could, you they, a six person team could go out tomorrow, you know, and, they'd have a legit shot too. It doesn't matter if it's two, four, six. So, you know, it adds a little, you could throw a dog in there. Who knows? (laughs) Why not? Just do it all. Yeah. Well, that's a really fun story. Read it on startribune.com and in the Star Tribune. And we'll, uh, we'll follow up on this later, Bob. Okay. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Really quick. Let's end with the cooler booth. Gotch, another gophers transfer. That's 10 gophers who are expected to be in the portal and transferring or leaving only one player from last year's team will be on Ben Johnson's squad this year. That's expected to be Isaiah, Isaiah Enan. Um, and who knows, maybe he'll, he'll end up going as well. 10 out. Um, Johnson's supposed to get uh, a bunch of players in, but not as many in as out six in so far. Gotch is supposed to be the 10th out, according to Marcus Fuller's story. So going to be in a completely different team. Um, you know, we thought maybe it would be a little bit different or, you know, significantly different. This is almost entirely different. And maybe that's not a bad thing based on how year, last year went. But, boy, it's going to be hard uh, at the outset, at least, uh, as they try to gain some continuity and some wins. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining Daily Delivery. Subscribe to this podcast. Please write a review. Read Star Tribune, startribune.com. We'll do this again on Wednesday.